here to there. Say here to there. Here to there. You guys are getting really good at that now. I'm really proud of you. Getting from here to there. And so um, we've been kind of talking about this journey that we are going on as a church and that how individually every single one of us are also going on a similar journey that ultimately God has somewhere that he wants you to be, somewhere that he wants me to be, somewhere that he wants us to be. And so we're, we've been going through and talking through how do we get from here to there? So I've talked to you that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a visionary um, and I like to... I like to think big picture. I like to do these different things. And I have these visions of, of things for real church and where God's taking us and what it's going to look like when we get there. And um, The big question for me is always, well, how do we get from here to there? Right. How, how do we how do we make that journey in the word? How do we make that journey in our worship? How do we make that journey wherever we are to get there? Because there is an amazing place. Right. I mean. There's many, many of us could talk about a situation where we know where we're at right now. We know where our here is. We even know what our there looks like, but we don't know how to get there from here. And so we've been talking about this, this journey that we're, we're taking individually because every single one of us has it there. And then we've also been talking about us corporately, that we are going somewhere, that God is taking this church to a place. And then as, as we remain obedient to his word and to his direction, that we will be able to get there. Okay? So just a, a recap. So the first, the first week we talked about um, getting from here to there starts by trusting the Lord. We have to get to a place where we truly trust the Lord and we trust his word. That, it, that we, we take it for what it actually says. We don't have to doctor it up. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We don't have to do anything. We take what his word says and we actually apply it to our lives every single day. And we talked about the story of the widow woman and how she, um, she literally had nothing left. And all she had left was enough oil and flour to make bread for her and her son. And they were going to eat it and then they were going to die. That was their game plan. And we talked about how her there for her was death. That's what she saw until the prophet Elijah came. And when Elijah came, Elijah introduced her to a there that God intended for her, which was a there of plenty and a, a there that had life in it. And so the first thing we had to do is we had to, we had to know that we have a there. We had to see ourselves in that there. And then we have to begin to make a move. I can guarantee you that if you never decide to make a move, you will never get from here to there. Right? It's never going to happen. You're never gonna. You're never gonna have that transformation. You're never gonna have that experience as long as you stay planted here and you never move. And so the widow woman understood that and had to make that move. The next thing we talked about is we talked about as we begin to make a move. What we have to do is we have to prepare for pressure, right? Prepare for pressure because the moment that you step out and you actually make a decision that I am not comfortable with where I'm at. I want to go deeper into the things of God. As soon as you begin to do that, you will encounter pressure. And the first thing we talked about is that what your pressure needs to do is your pressure needs to meet your faith. Because the word says that when pressure meets faith, you get perseverance, which gives you hope, which gives you character, right? All these different things that come, come into play. And so we have to prepare for pressure. So our pressure has to meet faith. And then we have to stop being perplexed by pressure. Too many of us. Get a little bit of pressure, and we go, woe is me. My life is horrible. I'm in the pit. Remember, we talked about the pit a lot, right? 
I'm in the pit. It's so bad in the pit. Why am I in the pit? We got to stop being perplexed by pressure because the word tells us it's going to come. He tells us that Jesus said, hey, um, just so you know, um, they hated me, so they're going to hate you, just so you know. And then when someone defriends us on Facebook, we go, why? Why did they do that? Who cares, right? Prepare for pressure. But the biggest thing for preparing for pressure for us to move from here to there is that we have to submit to God. Because if you don't submit in this process, you're never going to get there. It requires us to truly submit. That means submit to even, you know what, when pressure comes, you submit to the idea that God's going to allow that pressure to work in you to do something great. Okay, that's that's submitting to God, even when it doesn't feel good, even though it doesn't feel comfortable, even though it feels like, I don't know, eating a hothead's burrito. That's sound, that's awful. Oh, no one should ever do that. For those of you who don't know, I love Chipotle. Um, so. <laughs> So tonight, what I want to talk to you about is, is the last piece of this, this series um, and something that I think is incredibly important. And it's, it's funny because uh, I feel like God's been speaking this to Beth and I um, even here lately. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about pressing on. Pressing on. Because if we trust the Lord and if we prepare for pressure, but then we stop, we're never going to get there. We have to press on. We have to press on. I want to read for you here what's in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, say press on, to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on, say press on, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand one thing, and this is, we, we are going to have to get really comfortable with this. You are not there. You're not there. And here's the most challenging part about this, because this is not where I planned on taking this, but this is, I, I told many of you that this wasn't like, you know, when I sit down to write a series, usually I'll get like all three sermons or four sermons or eight sermons, and I'll know exactly where it's going. But God hasn't done it this way. God's like every week it's been something different, something challenging. And when I read that scripture and I think about the process of getting from here to there, the most challenging part is I don't think we ever really get there. The journey, the journey doesn't stop. Right. We we the, the problem becomes is if we think we're there, that's when we get way out of whack. As soon as we think that we have arrived, right, and that we've gotten it and we've mastered it, guess what? It's all about to blow up, son. That's what's going to happen. Because it doesn't matter. We, um, Beth and I, um, we helped with a church plant out in Hamilton. Uh, and the church is still out there, Every Walk of Life Church. And we work with pastors Tony and Angela Peterson. And um, Pastor Angela um, had, had spoken, I think it was at a women's gathering, I think maybe even at Kim's house. And what she was talking about is she was talking about the process of going through something, right? And how challenging it is when you're going through something. And what she was talking about is how as soon as you get through, you're through. 
there's another through to get through, right? And and so as I was as I was reading that, and I was I was thinking about what what was being written here in Philippians, I think that guys, we're never going to really get there. We're I, I believe that we're going to have milestones, right? I think there are milestones that we will see, that we will celebrate, that we will say, man, that was incredible. Man, that was something else. And that's, that's the way God's going to do things in your life. Like, I, I, can, I can look back on my own life, and I can know that there was a place that I was at where I was not satisfied with where I was. That I wasn't as close to God as I wanted to be. That I wasn't as obedient as I should have been. And all of those things. And I can remember decisions that I made to help myself move from where I was in that here to the next place. My there. But then once I got there, guess what? There was another there. <laughs> and that's the way it works with God. And, and, and our, in our lives, we have got to stay in a position of reception. Because what he's talking about here is that he's talking about, I have not obtained everything. I, I haven't figured it all out. I don't have it all down. And I am one that probably almost everyone in this room has heard me say, I'm going to let you down because I don't know what the heck I'm doing up here, right? We've, we've talked about that, that ultimately I am growing, Bethany is growing, our team is growing just as we are growing as a church because this is something we're doing together as a body. And if we ever get to a point where we start saying, I've figured it out, we're going to be in big trouble. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, the writer said this, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Ouch. <laughs> See, I believe that God has so much, so much that he wants to speak to us right now. But the problem is we have stopped trying to understand. See, because what we've done is we have allowed the world to dominate what our thinking should be, what our actions should be. When in the reality, God has so much that he wants to say about every single subject that you encounter. Everything that you encounter, he has a word in here. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, needing to go to someone and get a special word from them. I'm talking about the word of God, the powerful word of God that is intended to teach and guide you. In everything that you do, he has a word for you. But if you get to a place where you decide you're not even going to try to understand anymore, how is he going to speak that to you? We have to stay in this posture of reception to understand and learn more about who God is and what he has done for us. I mean, in this passage, um, the King James Version says that they were dull of hearing. Is literally what it said. That you are dull of hearing. And the Greek word that that was translated from was the word nothros. Nothros, um, that word literally means slow, sluggish, slothful, or lazy. Lazy. We cannot get there if we are going to be lazy about our relationship with Jesus. We cannot be complacent. We can't be slothful. See, because when we find ourselves in positions that we, we succumb to the idea of, I just have too much to do. I just have too many things on my plate. There's no way I can carve it out. There's no way I can get there. There's no way I can do it. Whatever it is, when we begin to do that, we begin to allow ourselves to fall into this place where we are not receiving the word of God. 
I think of that. There's a Casting Crown song um, that I don't, I don't really, I don't really listen to them much. But um, there's a song that they they wrote um, a few years back called "A Slow Fade." And the song, the whole premise of the song is that it is a slow fade when you start to slip away from God. You know, it's it's not usually, hey, I'm hot one day and then the next day I'm ice cold. No, no, no. It's a slow fade. And so we have to make a decision that we are not going to be lazy about our relationship with Jesus. Now, my wife, thank you, Jesus, has never called me lazy. Okay. I, I, I'm not usually a lazy person. There are a few times that I come home and I say, I just want to sit down and just be lazy. It's, it's really actually hard for me to be lazy. It's, it's actually really difficult. Um, but I've, I've never been that way. But when I read that scripture, you know what I thought? Am I being lazy with my relationship with Jesus though? Because there are things that I can look at in my own life and say, I have been lazy in this area. Or I have been lazy in that area. And I could do more over here. And the reason I share that with you is because I am no different than you. We all struggle at times. But I, in my heart of hearts, I want to get there. Whatever that there looks like. And then I'll figure out the next there. Right? I, just, I want to get to the first there. And then we'll go to the next there. Okay? But I'm not going to get there if I'm lazy in my relationship with Christ. We can't. We can't be lazy about our desire to get there. But you have to recognize first that you are not there. There are a lot of people who come to Beth and I all the time and say, man, you launched a church. You did this. It's incredible. Um, all these things and blah, 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 blah. You guys are doing better than we are. and We've got this and all these things. Um, and it can be very, very easy to become complacent in victory. Victory is probably one of the most dangerous places you could ever get. Because when you get into victory, that's when you start wanting to just celebrate as opposed to keep fighting. It's tough. I think, you know, we, we talk about being, being in the valley or being in the mountain, okay, on the mountaintop, right? And we always, we always talk about the, the difference between the two. And, you know, we talk about it a lot more when we're in the valley, right? We talk about it a lot, you know, it's, again, I'm in the pit, right? I'm in the pit and I'm stuck in the pit and the pit's so bad. And, and uh, uh, the problem is, is because of the way we work, we have to keep going back to the pit. Because if we get up the mountain, all we do is we get lazy. We're too, we're so busy celebrating that we don't, we, we, we begin to sacrifice what got us to that victory. We cannot be lazy as a people and as a body about what God wants to do in us. We have to submit ourselves to that and we have to recognize that we are not there. We're not there. Okay? Here's the second thing um, that I think is incredibly important for us in this journey and really in understanding that we have to press on. If we're going to press on, we have to know that we're not there and then we have to decide that it's not okay that we're not there. We have to make a decision that I am not okay with where I am right now. I am not okay where I am with my knowledge of the word. I can tell you right now, I don't like not knowing things. That's kind of like my nature. I, I want to know how to do everything under the sun. 
except for swimming. Swimming is just not my thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a swimmer. I've tried it. I'm just, I can doggy paddle. So if I died uh, or if I fell off of a boat, I could doggy paddle back to civilization. But I think if you read, I don't think you can actually doggy paddle that long. It probably wouldn't be good. So I would try to ride on the back of a dolphin to get him safe. That's my game plan right now. <laughs> so if you know any good dolphin trainers, um, let me know. Um, we have to decide that it's not okay to be where we're at. A lot of people will try to help you feel good about where you're at. And they mean well. They really do. They, they don't mean any harm to you. But if, but God, God wants us to go so much deeper into who he is and to know him on such an intimate level that it requires us to decide that we're not okay with where we're at at any point. Because the moment we get okay is the moment we start sliding down that mountain at a rapid, at a rapid pace. See, we, we have to decide that it is not okay. Paul, Paul's literally talking in this passage that he's pressing on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold for him. See, he is saying that literally Jesus took hold of him. He, see, see, because Paul, Paul was in this wicked path that he was in. And Jesus came in and snatched him out of that, took hold of him. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, just the way that he took hold of me, I want to take hold of the things of God that he has for me. And that means I have to press in and actually have to work because I want to, I want to get into that. I want to, and, and I'm not saying you have to work yourself into something of God. What I'm saying is you have to, it is hard to stay consistent, right? It is hard to stay consistent. It, it re requires work and we have to press on to do that. But if you think that it's okay where you're at, you won't press on and you won't get there. We have to decide to press on. See, starting a race, I was thinking about races. I have never been in really a legitimate race, okay? I, I am not a runner. I don't like to run. I hate running. The only thing I run from is the cops, okay? That's it. I don't actually run from the cops. They're my friends. Um, but I don't, I, I don't like to run. But So this week, as I was studying this, I was watching video after video after video after video of races. Um, God just took me to just this place of watching races. And uh, when I was watching this, watching races, I began thinking that starting a race is a conscious decision that has to be made, right? Um, I think about the starting line. And when I think of a, a starting line, I, I envision all of these runners waiting at this line. And I imagine the, the shot being fired for them to start running. And I imagine that all these people start running, but there's such a huge group of them that stay right there at the starting line. They never move on. They never start running. They just stay at the starting line. And as I, as I began seeing that, I think it is such a vivid picture of where many people are in their relationship with Christ. See, because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior... When we make the decision to follow him, that is the starting line. And too many people get comfortable with just knowing that they've got a ticket to heaven. I'm going to heaven, right? 
And then they never move past that starting line. And it's not, it's not okay to stay at the starting line. Like, literally, if we were watching the Olympics, they run in the Olympics, right? I don't know anything about, okay, yes, okay. So, um, I know nothing about the Olympics. <laughs> um, I just get way too bored, I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> I do. So, so imagine, imagine everyone lining up, then firing the shot to get started, and only like two of the people take off running. And one of the people not running is the US, right? There's gonna be some households, not mine, there's gonna be some households going crazy, right? Like, move, like, go, like, what are you doing? I believe that is what Jesus is doing to, very, to a ton of us right now. I think that he is looking down, the shot has been fired, and we're still waiting at the starting line. And we're never moving forward. And it's because we, listen, that first step, that first step isn't salvation. Salvation is the starting line. That's when it all begins. You ain't even in the race until salvation, right? You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Guess what? Surprise, you're at the starting line. And now it's up to you to go. It's totally up to you to go. You're, you, you're equipped. You have the ability to go and learn. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so guess what? You're at the starting line. Shots fired. Where are you in this race? That's the question. Where am I in that race? Am I still standing at the starting line? Ready to go, or am I pressing on? Because let me tell you, once when that when that shot gets fired and you get moving, you have to recognize that you got to press on to finish that race. It it, it is not. I'm listen. I'm not a racer, um, but I'm going to tell you right now. If that shot gets fired, it's not okay to be at the starting line. Yep. Amen. That's right. And just like that, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it is not okay to stay at the starting line. You have to decide, I'm going to press on, I'm going to go in, I'm going to find out more about this Jesus. Yes, I believe that he died for me, but he has a book that is filled with wisdom and knowledge that will guide me in everything that I do. And I am not going to be reliant on this person or that person to tell it to me. I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit to equip me through the word of God. That's why we have it. We have to decide that it is not okay. The last thing that we have to do to really, to really press on, because I, I don't think we can press on until we do this. I'm, I'm going to read with, I'm, you can turn with me if you want. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read a few verses there because when, when we really, when we really want to press on, it's tough. There are things that you're going to come up against that you are going to feel like I can't possibly go another step. There are going to be days that you feel lonely. There are going to be days that you feel scared. There are going to be days that you say, you know what? Here isn't that bad. Sure, there sounds really great, but right now, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I just, I'm just not interested. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, uh, the other day, um, I came home from work and I had so much going on, so much spinning around in my brain. And uh, I was talking to Beth, I think that was Thursday night? I think it was Thursday night. We were sitting down and we were talking, we were talking about the word. And, and I said, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. I said, there are days when I get such satisfaction out of what I'm doing in my job. Because I love my job. I love my job. I get so much satisfaction there. And then I have to flip the switch to go to real church mode, right? 
So I'm like, I got this big switch in the back of my skull. And so I flip into real church mode. And I get so much incredible satisfaction in that. And I told her, I said, there's days that I think, what would happen if I didn't devote my attention here and here, but I just devoted it in one place? What would that look like for me? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm a guy that likes to do 100 things at once. So I don't even know if that would be possible for me. Um, but, but when I think about that, I think about how in our lives, we are focused on so many things. So many things that take precedence because they're right in front of you. And the problem that happens with our relationship with Christ is we don't put it before us. What we do is we've got all these other things that take precedence. I gotta pay the bills. That means I gotta go to work. I gotta go to, I gotta take, you know, Timmy to the t-ball game. I don't even know what t-ball is. I guess it's baseball. Is it the same thing? Yeah. Um, you gotta take him to the sporting thing, whatever that, like you got all these things and they're before you, right? They're, they're before you and you know that you have to do them. And because they're, guess what? Like my kids, if I don't feed them every 45 minutes, they're talking about it, right? And literally, I'm sitting down. I'm eating breakfast um, at the at the table, and Harvest is sitting here in her chair. She's just hanging out with me. We're just having a good time. I'm I'm on my uh, surfacing, writing stuff, and doing all this stuff. And uh, she used to just chill. I mean, she was like it was like she was tired. She was just kind of like like she was she was, like no emotion. And I actually wanted to get my phone and start taking pictures, but I knew as soon as I grabbed it, it would be over. And so I was like, I'm just going to take pictures of this with my face, you know. And so I was just watching her. She's just like, just chill, totally chill. And I said, uh, um, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, this is pretty awesome. Well, I couldn't call Beth because Beth, you know, if Beth came in, it would change her demeanor and everything. Well, then Beth came in, and she brought her uh, half of a slice of tomato to her, for her to start eating. Now, my kids are like me. They love tomatoes. I think all of them do. I love tomatoes, and Harvest was very excited about this tomato, yeah. So she, she literally gives her half a tomato, and so I just keep working, and she's in her own element now. And then all of a sudden, she starts screaming, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the tomato was gone. She had ate the tomato, and so she wanted more. And so then Beth came and gave her another slice of tomato, and she was cool. And I was just going back to town. Next thing I know, she's freaking out. She wants another tomato. And finally, Beth was freaking out because she's like, the plate of tomatoes is right in front of you, Tom. Give her a tomato. And <laughs> I got with the program, and so I started giving her tomatoes instead. She's, she's walking in from the kitchen making my breakfast. I wasn't even thinking. But, but when I think about that, like, we, she's right in front of me, right? I can't ignore the fact that she wanted a tomato. Well, I was, but she, I couldn't completely, <laughs> without getting smacked in the back of the head, and she wanted a tomato, right? She was hungry. She wanted something. The problem is, is that our relationship with Jesus, it's not necessarily, Jesus isn't necessarily nagging, yelling at you in the face saying, give me some time, right? And so he becomes one of the last things on your list. And we, we cannot be, we cannot be um, okay with that. It's like when I was thinking about uh, it's not okay, it's, we, have to, we have to decide that it's not okay with where we're at. Okay, this week at work, we had what was called Spirit Week. Okay? We do Spirit Week every year. Um, it's usually the last week in July. And we, do, we, we split the, the company up in different teams. Okay? You've got the red team, 
the orange team, the yellow team, yeah. like all these different colors. Yeah, I almost didn't even say it because I know that's going to happen. Um, and so they split us up in teams, and then we have these just crazy competitions. Like, you got to do cookie down the face, and um, you got to do jump in the trunk. I'm not going to show you how that's played. Um, there, there's just tons of different games that you have to play, okay? Tons of games. And you earn points. Now, I'm not a very competitive person. I'm an ultra-competitive person, okay? Like, I, I am like, listen, my door at the office right now, my team ended up, technically, coming in second place, okay? Uh, technically. I don't want to talk about that right now. I don't want to talk about why we didn't have first place. Technically. Literally, at my office right now, there's literally a crying emoji hanging on my door and a sign um, that says baby wah wah and all these different things and a do not disturb sign because I'm not very happy about where we landed in second place. Um, but just as, just as competitive as I am in that, right? And as we are, like there's different things that we get super competitive about. I need to be more competitive about my relationship with Christ because what I want is I want that relationship to be on top of everything else that's down below it. The only way to do that is you have to get in the game, right? You have to decide, I'm going to press on, and I'm going to make, I am going to make sure that this is happening. So let me, let me read what, what is said in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12 about what we have to do. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We, if, if we are going to come anywhere close to getting to that next there, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And when I read this, what I love is that in verse 2, it says, so it's talking about how Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But what it says right before that is it says, for the joy set before him. He knew, right? He, he knew what was set before him. Many of you already know what your there looks like. That is why the first thing we talked about is you got to know that God has a there for you. You got to know that he has something so rich and so pure and so joyful for you. He has that for you. And, and, and just as Jesus, see, it was the joy that was set before him. Because of that, he endured the cross. See, because of that, he scorned its shame. And so we have to set our eyes on Jesus. We are to be considering him and fixing our eyes on him. Because if, if we do that, then we can handle the cross. Then we can handle the shame then we can handle the pressure. We can handle everything that we're going to encounter because we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus. And it is way too easy to get your eyes off of him. 
right? It is so easy because there's every single thing that comes into your life to absolutely disrupt your ability to focus on Jesus. But he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants, he wants your life. He wants every, he doesn't want your leftovers. He wants you. And he has a there for you. But let me tell you, as soon as you get there, there's more coming. There's more coming. Tiff, if you would come up as I get ready to close. We have to fix our eyes on him. See, Harvest gets my attention because she's yelling at my face, right? And sometimes I need Jesus to yell in my face, right? Sometimes we all get into these situations where we, we need Jesus to just be up in our grill and tell us, dude, you, you done. You're, you're jacking it up. You're missing the relationship. You're missing what I have for you. You're missing the connection. You're missing all this because you got everything else that's trying to fill up your life. And you're not getting your eyes fixed on me. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. I Listen, I love that scripture because my nature is if I get into something, I'm all in. Like, I'm not typically a guy that's just kind of like, eh. no, I'm like, I, I'm right into it. And even if I'm falling flat on my face, I just ride into it, okay? And I know that I need to be more like that in my relationship with Jesus. And I think that if we're being honest, I think a lot of us will say that we need to be more like that in our relationship with Jesus. It's that we have to, we have to fix our eyes on him and we got to run in such a way that we are going to get the prize. You don't, you don't run a race in such a way to get the prize being lazy, right? We're not going to be lazy about our relationship with Jesus. We're not going to be lazy about the word of God because we have been gifted this incredible connection to the Father. But when we get lazy about it, we're missing it. You know, I, I was talking to Jody a little bit before service. We were talking about a specific subject, and I talked about... Um, you know, if I had a key that would give them access to something so much more than what they even understand, and I said, I'm going to give you the key, most people would take the key. Most people would take the key and say, I'm going for it. But if that key involves sacrifice, that's when people start to shy away. Because if you're going to press on, it involves some sacrifice. It involves making some changes. It involves cutting some things out of your life that you thought you wanted, and then you found out they were hollow. You found out they didn't do anything. And when I think about that starting line, I think about it in three different ways. I think about the starting line before the race starts. How does it feel to be at the starting line when the race starts? I think it feels good, right? I think there's a level of excitement. There's eagerness. There's hope. When you're, you're, when you're at the starting line and the race hasn't started. But as soon as that race starts, as soon as it takes off, if you're still at the starting line, those feelings change. 
Those feelings start to become fear. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get there. Anxiousness starts to come on you, right? I'm never going to catch up. You start getting angry at yourself because you know what I knew to run? I knew what I was supposed to do right here in that moment, and I chose not to do it. And so you're still stuck at the starting line, and you start to feel that hopelessness because I'm never going to get there now because I'm right here where I'm at. But even worse than that, after the race, if you're still at the starting line, the race is over. Guilt, regret, disappointment. And when you allow those things to start weighing on you, it becomes such a heaviness. But I know that what God wants us to do and what he wants you to do is he wants us to press on. He wants us to press on. Too many of us are stuck at the starting line because we have not pressed on. But let me tell you, when you get to that finish line, whatever that looks like for you, when you finish the race, there's joy, right? There's, there's a, a sense of, of pride because I actually accomplished what I set out to do. There's, um, there's this whole idea of, you know, it usually infuriates people to do the next one, right? It gives you this energy to say, I'm going to do the next race, right? I'm going to jump into more. But there's also rest. And so I want to encourage you that if we're going to get from here to there, wherever that next there is, that there is going to keep moving. And then there's going to be another there and another there. We're going to be talking about this for a long time. But when we get when we get to that place, let me tell you, we just we got to press on to get there. We got to press on. Not just me, not just as a body, individually. We have to press on towards what God has for us. Let me ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for bringing us to this place that God, that we could decide that it's not okay to be where we're at right now. And God, I pray that God, you would move us in such a way that we are going to press on. God, press on in our relationship with you. And God, that we pull back all the things that God keep distracting us from that. And that God, we would get our eyes fixed on you so that we could see you. And that God, that would give us the ability, that would give us the energy, that would give us the strength, the passion, all those things to press on. And if you are in here today and you are someone that says, Tom, I I don't even know that I'm at the starting line because I've gotten so messed up. And you say that today you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That you say, "I'm, I'm tired of being where I'm at. I'm tired of the life that I've been living. I'm tired of the fact that I've run for so long and all I've gone is farther away from that start. And if you today are that person that says, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up so I can see you and put it right back down. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. But if that is you today, 
just want to be able to see you so that we can be praying for you. And if you're someone that says, Tom, I've been at that starting line. I know I'm at that starting line. But I'm ready to run. I'm ready to press on. I'm ready to go in deeper. I'm ready to know him for who he is as a father. Not just as he is as a savior, but who he is as a father who loves me and who cares for me. And I want to get into this race and I want to press on. If that is you today and you say you're ready to move past the starting line, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up so that I can see where you're at. We can pray for you. Amen. Because God is intending that for you. God has it for you. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done here today. And God, I pray that every single one of us, every single one of us, God, would press on. God, to, to know you more, to know your word more. God, and I pray that, that as we've gotten a new word, that we would trust you. That God, we would prepare ourselves for the pressures that will come. But God, even when they come, God, that you would help us to press on. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.